Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. It's time for the latest on the Brewers, Bucks, and Packers with the Fan Afternoon Show on 1250 AM, The Fan. Welcome back to the Fan Afternoon Show, coming to you live from the Lakeland University Studios, offering co-op credit for work experience. Learn your way at lakeland.edu. Scott Gradsky of CBS 58 Sports, alongside Sam Schmitz, on this Tuesday afternoon. Just finished talking to Jeff Cirillo, former Brewers All-Star, about the, the state of the team as they get set for you know the final two months of the season and what hopefully will be a stretch run into the playoffs and further than that. Now we're going to switch over to the Packers as we're getting set for the first preseason game coming up on Friday. The Packers team this year, it is a whole lot different feel at Lambeau Field than it has been for the past few seasons. There was less of that uncertainty surrounding Aaron Rodgers, and there is much more certainty surrounding the defense. We talked about the defense a lot yesterday and how that could be the stronger unit of the the team this year. So we're going to switch over to the offense now, and for the first time in a while, I think it's a – it's a fair question to ask. Is there a part of this offense that is more important to the Packers' success than Aaron Rodgers? Is it the running game? Is it the offensive line, which has obviously had more than its fair share of injuries over the past uh, couple of years, and certainly right now with Elton Jenkins and David Bakhtiari? Is it the wide receivers as they're trying to get themselves set and trying to establish a new number one? Or does everything fall on the shoulders of the four-time MVP who wears number 12? For me... I have a lot more questions about everything else. I, I'm not that concerned about the receivers. I, I don't think you're going to see anyone remotely close to what Devontae Adams was able to do. But I do think Aaron Rodgers is good enough to make up for it by spreading the ball around and going off of what the defense gives you. But I think a part of why that is going to be an option is because the running game is so good. The running backs are so solid for the Packers. Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon have to be a top five combo of running backs in the NFL this year. And it's not just that they're both good. It's that they're both good at doing pretty much everything. The concern with AJ Dillon coming in out of college at Boston college was that he wasn't really much for receiving back. I think over the past couple of years, we've learned it's not so much. He wasn't a good receiving back. It was more Boston college didn't have throwing to the running back as part of their game plan. You have two guys out of the backfield who are both threats in that way. We've seen what Aaron Rodgers can do in some of the games when Devontae Adams was sitting where he made Aaron Jones a top receiver. He made Jamal Williams a top receiver. 
I think the running backs are good enough to be the baseline for this and everything else works from there. Although, Sam, the one thing I will say is if the offensive offensive line doesn't figure it out, nothing matters. Yeah, exactly. I mean, because in order to have a good passing game, in order to have a good you know set of running backs, those guys need to have a good offensive line. You saw what happened with Najee Harris last year at the Pittsburgh Steelers, who had a great rookie season, but could have been a lot better, especially with the volume they gave him. But unfortunately, all he got was like two-yard rushes here and there. Um, but obviously, I mean, look, the Packers and their depth, they have the guys, but if El- if Elton Jenkins, you know, he's not going to be back till like later on in the season. David Bakhtiari, who knows if he's even going to be ready for week one. If those guys, you know, are down, okay, that's one thing. But, okay, if some of these guys that are backing them up, if they're getting injured too and you're still waiting for Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins, then you got a real problem. So I'm not I'm not concerned about some of the guys. I like, you know, Josh Myers. I like Runyon. I like Yash Nijman, stuff like that. Royce Newman as well as all it's the just, other guys. It's a lot of youth. Yeah. That, that is a lot of, of young players on the offensive line. But if some of those guys get banged up while you're waiting for Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins to come back, then you got to rely on a, a rookie like Sean Ryan, who I believe in, but I don't want to throw into the fire right away. No. So, yeah, I think it all starts with the offensive line, obviously, as our coach cliche that we could use later on for draft mockery. The game is won in the trenches. But obviously when it comes to Matt LaFleur and his offense, I think Matt LaFleur wants to be obviously a balanced offense. But I think even though he has an back-to-back MVP like Aaron Rodgers, I think he does want to obviously start with a running game. And he has guys like that. So I think in order to do that too, it's gonna these running backs are going to make the passing game and these rookie wide receivers, if you have dual threats like that in the backfield, it's going to make that much of a difference for all these guys in the passing game too. Yeah, and I, and I do think everything is going to start with the running game this year. I, I think with the defense they have as well, that's where they're going to be looking to win their games from, is from running first and building everything off of that. And it's something that we haven't seen in Green Bay in, in quite a while. It's something that I think might be the end of this MVP run for Aaron Rodgers because his numbers, they're just not going to be the same as what they've been the past few years. The lack of interceptions will probably still be the same. I'm not in any way saying Aaron Rodgers is a worse quarterback now than he was six months ago or 18 months ago. It's just the way the game plan is going to go this year. It's going to be run first. Yeah. Once again, 414-677-1250. If you guys want to join the conversation, you can tweet us at 1250AMTheFan as well or comment on Facebook. But let's get out to the phone lines. Let's get out to Chris in Brookfield. Chris, you're on the fan. Hey, gentlemen. Well, it might be the cliche. But it is in the trenches. Without the offensive line, nothing works. You, you, like you say, if it's going to be run-oriented, you've got to be able to have guys that can pull. you got to be able to have guys that can, can handle the man in front of them. I mean, you got a good set of young guys already there. And, I mean, even for pass protection, Rodgers wasn't hurt all that much. I mean, and we also got to make sure that the coaches don't make the mistake because – Two years in a row, they put Turner at left tackle, and two years in a row, they lost. They had Josh Nyman play eight games and played outstandingly. Came the playoff game, what did they do? They pulled him because Turner was back. And what did Turner do? He failed. So it's also on the coaching and putting them in the right positions at the right time. But I think it's the offensive line because, like you say, you've got a bunch of young receivers. You're still going to be working with them. And it's definitely going to be a power run game, at least for the first three, four, five, six weeks because, you, like you said, you don't know if you're going to, when you can get Bakhtiari back and you don't know when you're going to get Jenkins back if you do it all this year. So it's all on the offensive line. 
Well, Chris, let me ask you, what's your confidence level in the offensive line? And let's assume for the sake of argument that you are not going to have Bakhtiari or Jenkins for week one, which again, Bakhtiari might be ready by then. But for now, let's just assume that you're going all five young guys. To me, I'm I'm not that worried about it. If you go with the start, go with the starting guys who played last year, you start them at, at left tackle, left guard, center, and right guard. Your only position that you really got to get something new in is at the right tackle. And you drafted a few guys that have played there before. Tom looks like he's going to be uh, someone that's going to be fighting for it. So I, I have confidence in them. I think they can do it. And you look at the Packers' history, they've been known to have good offensive lines throughout the last 20 years because they wanted to have the record without having a good offensive line. Absolutely. Appreciate the call, Chris. Uh, yeah, I, I think Zach Tom is definitely someone who you're going to have to look for a little bit throughout the next couple of uh, weeks as the Packers try to figure out what their offensive line looks like. He's been given a chance to really play across the board at a couple of different positions uh, with the uh, the first-team guys on the O-line. And I think, you know, I mean, we, we don't really talk that much about Adam Stenovich, the offensive coordinator who was an offensive line coach for the past couple of years because Nathaniel Hackett was a little more flashy, had a little bit more, uh, I mean, let's be honest, he was funny. He, he had a little more personality at some of the press conferences, yeah. and uh, now he's a head coach in Denver. But I, I think having an offensive coordinator who understands the importance of the offensive line is going to be crucial when you have so many young guys going forward. And I, I tend to agree with Chris. I, I, I think I, I have a decent amount of faith in guys on the Packers roster right now who haven't necessarily seen as many snaps as you'd like them to yet. It's not their fault. They're just young guys. But I, I, I have faith in them. I have faith in the uh, the offensive coaching staff. But there is just a tiny like little earworm in the back of my brain that just keeps keeps whispering the name Jason Spriggs to me. Oh, man. And that scares me. Because if that if that's the level of starter you have on the edge, you got trouble. Yeah, I mean, look, at the end of the day, like like you said, going back to Stenovich, I don't think he's going to be bringing back any uh, Austin Power references and stuff like that to the team. No. But I do like what you know he's done with the offensive line, especially because I kind of put it like this last year with, with the guys that they brought in throughout the season, like Josh Neisman. It's kind of like the Packers are becoming the – Milwaukee Brewers of you know offensive line depth and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of faith, but yeah, once you start putting guys in, in different positions like Chris brought up, I mean, we could talk about Aaron Rodgers trying to force feed it to Devontae Adams, but you look at the past two playoff exits for the Green Bay Packers, it really starts with the offensive line and the, the, the guys missing and then the guys that you have to put in at those positions. I mean, Bakhtiari against the Buccaneers, he's out. Yeah, and they bad bad injury luck in terms of the timing of some of these things yeah. uh, over Elton the last Jenkins couple of years. Last year. But man, if you if I mean if you have Yash Nijman back there at left tackle against the 49ers and then, you know, Billy Turner back at right tackle in his natural position, you don't have to rely on a guy like was it last year was it Dennis Kelly at yeah. right tackle in the in the in the game against the Niners and then the year before that. I mean, you're relying on once again, Billy Turner at left tackle to fill in for Bakhtiari, and then Rick Wagner at right it tackle. Was, uh, Van- Vanderdeer, I think, was in there too. There was a yeah, yeah they picked up in like week fourteen off of uh, Denver, and, and and frankly, it's not just a Packers problem. The Bengals had an offensive line last year, and they're probably yeah. Super Bowl champions. Just part of winning a Super Bowl, you got to be healthy, you got to get lucky at the right time. But I mean, obviously, the injuries that they dealt with, you know, obviously Elton Jenkins going down in that Vikings game was terrible timing too, as well. Yeah. Right when they were getting hot, but yeah, and it was a gut punch having Bakhtiari be, you know, the entire year hearing he's so close, he's so close, oh, and he plays Week 17, and he's out. 
I'm so glad that LaFleur, based on what I've heard from this year, has uh, definitely learned his lesson where he's not even going to give a slight hint of optimism when it comes to these guys and injuries. But, yeah, that was yeah. – I hope, I mean, we, that, I hope been, we have never have to go through something like that again next year. That's been tough year. for – it's been tough for fans and it was tough for the team, and I can only imagine how tough that was for – for David Bakhtiari going through that uh, period of unknown. It is interesting as we we started this segment talking about are the running backs more important than Aaron Rodgers and it turned into, well, doesn't really matter. Neither of them are as important as the offensive line, but that, that's just the way I see it at this point. Aaron Rodgers is going to be Aaron Rodgers as long as he has time and the running backs are good enough to to be dynamic as long as they have at least a little bit of space from the offensive line as well. Listening to the Fan Afternoon Show on 1250 AM, The Fan. We'll continue the Packers conversation coming up in a minute. Welcome back to the Fan Afternoon Show, coming live from Lakeland University Studios, offering co-op credit for work experience. You can learn your way at lakeland.edu. We have some breaking news here on The Fan, brought to you by Beat the Streak Podcast. Get an inside edge on how to win the $5.6 million prize every day this baseball season. Listen on Odyssey or wherever you get your podcasts. ESPN reporting that Arike Agumbawale, Milwaukee native, unfortunately will miss the rest of the regular season and the Dallas Wings' first-round playoff matchup after having uh, core muscle avulsion repair surgery. Uh, That's a mouthful right there, but uh, that is breaking news on the fan brought to you by Beat the Streak. I believe this was going to be Arike's first time in the WNBA playoffs. She has turned into a WNBA all-star and really just a great all-around player and all-around scorer alongside, you know, a couple of the most iconic highlights in, in college women's basketball history. Man, talented family. It just blows my mind when yeah. there's people from the same family that are just, you know, excel at, like, every sport that they play, too. I mean, you look at the Watts, a bunch of other families and stuff like that. It's just insane. By the way, if you're wondering, Daria Gumbawale with the Houston Texans we just figured out during the break. So yeah. if you're wondering where in the world is Dario Gumbawale, he is with the Houston Texans. I can tell you, my sister and I were both, you know, we were above average students in math class. So. <laughs> yeah, I unfortunately was not. Um, I didn't really excel at anything. So there's a reason I'm here, I guess. Right, Scott? <laughs> yeah, well, I'm right here with you. So what can you do? Uh, continuing the Packers conversation, we we were originally going to talk about running backs versus Aaron Rodgers and the which one is more important. That dove into instead how important the offensive line is. So let's let's circle back to the running backs here a little bit. I, I think it's a interesting dichotomy, not just them to Rodgers, but them to the wide receivers. If there is so much unknown from the wide receivers and the running backs, you know exactly what you're getting and you know what you're getting is going to be good. And you could even ask even more of them, too. I mean... I think it's time for A.J. Dillon to be like fully unleashed. I think he finally kind of, like you said, he got his feet wet in the passing game last year, and we figured out, okay, this guy actually, like you said, it wasn't the fact that he was a bad pass catcher. It's just that Boston College didn't feed him, kind of like what Jonathan Taylor did with uh, the Wisconsin Badgers and stuff like that. But So now that we know that A.J. Dillon is a formidable you know, dual-threat running back, um, I think you know on top of that, Aaron Jones, all three years under Matt LaFleur's offense, he's been top three in receptions for the Packers. And I think if you have guys like, you know, Christian Watson and Dubs and, you know, Alan Lazard is going to be the guy you rely on, obviously, if you need a first down out of these wide receivers, you just you can't trust Sammy Watkins and Randall Cobb to stay healthy the entire year. But they'll obviously contribute. Watkins, I think, is the X factor. I think Watkins could end up being wide receiver one for this team. Yeah. He also could end up being cut in two weeks. I, I do yeah. not know what is going to happen with him. I, I think he's the most. I think he's the most interesting one to watch other than maybe Christian Watson once he gets healthy and we can see. But I, to me, Watkins is a very high ceiling and a very, very low floor 
I tend to think he might actually end up being wide receiver one. I don't know why I think he's going to stay healthy given his history, but but I really think there is a, a chance that he might be able to do it. But I do also, as a part of me that thinks wide receiver one is going to be Aaron Jones. I was and just going to say that. I, All I, right. I, I would love to see. <laughs> I, I don't know what your thoughts are on this, but I. I think you're going to see a decent amount of both of them together, uh, Dylan and, and Jones, on the field at the same time. And yeah. for whatever reason in the modern NFL where a lot of the rules are being thrown out and there are very different schemes, there are very different play designs, that's one thing that hasn't been done a ton. Mm-hmm. It's been done, but a lot of times it, it, it's what it's what we've seen for the most part in Green Bay where it's just a change of pace and you, you know, uh, after Alvin Kamara gets three touches, you bring in Mark Ingram for one. I don't see much reason why you can't have both of them on the field. It's not like, oh, no, you have to have these four receivers on the field on every play. You don't. And the Packers do a lot of um, a lot of uh, package transitions. They do, they do a lot of guys in and out throughout the game. I don't see any reason why, especially early on when you don't necessarily have that that famous Aaron Rodgers trust in the young receivers, why you can't have both of them in the backfield or even line up Aaron Jones on the outside. You and I are on the exact same page right now. <laughs> I mean, I was going to talk to you about how I think Aaron Jones could be, you know, potentially wide receiver one at the end of the day. But on top of that, I was literally just going to bring up the Mark Ingram, Alvin Kamara thing as well because um, Bart Winkler and Gary Ellison, it's, it's a funny feud that's been going on the radio station here for a while. Bart Winkler believes that Aaron Jones is essentially a baby Alvin Kamara. And I've kind of agreed with that too. Maybe not, you know, they're obviously not the same, you know, star level and all that, but. As far as what they bring to the teams, absolutely. I think they both have the same similar sets. And I think, like I was saying, you can ask more from Aaron Jones this year because A.J. Dillon is that dude. Yeah. And look, like you, I don't know if it's going to be, you know, they're both going to be in the backfield at the same time, but I do think you're going to see at this point, in the, in, in, uh, sometime this season, you're going to see Aaron Jones split out, you know, with A.J. Dillon in the backfield. I think there's a bunch of stuff that you can do to get the most out of those two running backs. And even if uh, Aaron Jones isn't as good as Alvin Kamara, okay. A.J. Dillon's a lot better than Mark Ingram is right now. It's not really a conversation. Uh, Mark Ingram obviously was a great player and still is pretty good, but is in the tail end of his career, and A.J. Dillon is just sort of emerging. I also really like with these two running backs, we talked about it a lot over the last uh, couple of days and couple of weeks with Leroy Butler, Hall of Famer, of course, from 1250, uh, that he's not just a Hall of Famer on the field, he's a Hall of Fame person as well. Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon could not be better representatives for the Packers, for the state of Wisconsin, for the city of Green Bay. They both interact with fans all the time. They both will stay way late to sign autographs. They are both just wonderful role models, and that does make it a lot easier to cheer for those guys. Not that it isn't easy already, but they are... You couldn't ask for more off the field from the two of them. Well, you don't have to worry about them getting in off-the-field trouble, too. And on top of that, I mean, like... I, I really think that this is, you know... Aaron Jones is definitely going to be – I know we've all seen him you know, score 15-plus touchdowns in a season, but I just really think that aside from Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones is going to be the caboose that goes for this offense. But that's partly because I think A.J. Dillon is just going to be that big a part of this offense as well. Yeah, no, I, and I think A.J. Dillon is going to obviously end up being your goal linebacker uh, if you're talking fantasy football, which I know a lot of people are. Uh, A.J. Dillon might be a, a, a touchdown vulture at times, but again, I – I think that he has developed into more than that from what he was. He, When he first came in and Jamal Williams was still on the roster too, 
there were a lot of questions about that draft class where it was first round pick Jordan Love, who has no place to go, and second round pick A.J. Dillon, who had no place to go at the time other than occasionally being a goal linebacker. He has developed into so much more than that. And I think I, I, I'm taken back to Aaron Rodgers' comments last week. Rodgers was asked something about Aaron Jones. He had all the normal praise for Aaron Jones that you would expect. And then he unprompted went into a uh, little soliloquy about who he called the mayor of Door County, obviously, you know, a, a well-known uh, name for A.J. Dillon at this point, and how Dillon, more than just about anyone else on this team, has improved drastically over the last two, three years across the board. And I think that as good as Aaron Jones is, I think you're looking at maybe a 60-40 split this year. It is going to be a lot of A.J. Dillon. Yeah. I would agree at 414-677-1250 if you guys want to join the conversation or you can tweet us at, at 1250 and the fan on Twitter. Let's get out to Mike in West Dallas. Mike, you're on the fan. Hey, how are you guys doing this afternoon? Doing well. Good, good. So I, I think for the regular season, uh, the run game is going to be more important. But when you get to the playoffs, when you're facing front seven defenses like the Bucks, the Rams, and the 49ers, they're going to make the Packers throw the ball as odd as that is with Aaron Rodgers being the quarterback, because right now, does Alan Lazard scare any defensive coordinator in the NFL <laughs> as the number one? I, I don't think so. Does Watts can, Watt can scare anybody? Does Cobb scare anybody? So for me, I think the success of the Packers this year and how far they go in the playoffs is going to come down to Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson, because I think those are the two guys on their team that actually have potential to be difference makers. I don't think Lazard, Watkins, or Cobb are difference makers. I, I just don't see it. Um, and we've seen it, you know, for the last 10, 11 years, the Packers have not drafted an offensive player in the first round. And that is really, you know, catching up with them this year. I mean, when you look at the wide receivers, you know, you have an undrafted free agent and two veteran minimum contracts and a fourth rounder. Those are your top four free agents or uh, top four wide receivers. But then when you look at the defense, it's predominantly first-round picks and high-priced free agents. So we're going to find out later in the season and into the playoffs if that is the most effective strategy in terms of just not investing a lot of resources uh, into your pass catchers this year. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Well, well, Mike, I, I think that when you're talking about the playoffs, there's a lot of questions we need to see the answers to that we can't know until then, or at least until a little bit before then. I, I think you're you're not wrong about what the rookie receivers could be. My biggest question is, is there one who can scare a defense, not the way Devontae Adams did, because that's not possible, but the way Marquez Valdez-Scantling did? Is there going to be, it, it probably needs to be Watson if he's healthy, um, but is that something that is, you know, something that, that we are talking about right now because we're hoping it ends up happening, or is it something that is actually going to be happening and Watson turns into that deep threat because that changes everything, and then you don't have the seven in the box. I, I still think in the playoffs the Packers are going to want to run first, but I think you're right. There's a chance they might not be able to. And another part of the receiving and passing offense that I think is getting brushed aside a little bit because of injuries is what happens with Robert Tunyon. When he comes back, how does he come back? Is he able to be that guy who, you know, at times last year, he looked like the kind of guy who went healthy. No, he's not going to take the top off of defense, but he can score 12 touchdowns in a season. He can score two, three touchdowns in a game once he gets in the red zone. So I, I think he's going to be a bigger part of it by the time we get to the playoffs than people are realizing right now. Oh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. I, I just think that you need, like you said, I mean, you need to be able to threaten teams in the passing game. And right now, 
I don't have a lot of confidence in that, especially with Bakhtiari and Eldon Jenkins being shelved. That offensive line is in, you know, disarray right now, I think. And they've really struggled in camp offensively, you know, ever since the first day in camp. So I just, I'm afraid that when they get to the playoffs, if they can't pass the ball, just stack the box and make the Packers beat you. And Watson is really the only deep threat that they they have. So at, at the very least, he has to be MBS. He has to be in that role. And I think Dubs, he has to be a James Jones type, kind of a jack-of-all-trades type guy. Uh, and he, I think that he can be that. But that's an awful lot of faith to put in two rookies that I, I think it really hinges on those two guys, unfortunately. Because I don't, I don't believe in Alan Lazard. I think he's a serviceable role player. I don't think he's anything more than that. And Watkins, he might not even make the team. Yeah, I appreciate the call. And I, I think – with Lazard, I think that's a guy who could end up turning into that James Jones type. And no, I'm not saying he's going to lead the NFL in touchdowns like Jones did, but it's a similar type of player. He he is not going to scare anyone with speed, but he's a good possession receiver. He's a good blocker. I also think Watkins is the great unknown for me. I totally get where you're coming from that he might not make the team. He might not make the team. He also might end up finally showing if he can stay healthy Look, there's a reason he was the number four pick in the entire draft. And if I'm not mistaken, Buffalo mortgaged their future to make him the number four pick in the draft. If he can find any semblance of that on this team, the way that the Packers are set up, they could certainly use the help. We're going to take a break here on the Fan Afternoon Show on 1250 AM. The Fan, when we come back, we will be joined by CBS 58 Sports Director. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers over think your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date download the instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last minimum ten dollar per order additional term supply t-mobile has invested billions to light up america's largest 5g network from big cities to small towns including right here in yours and great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Kevin Holden. Welcome back to the Fan Afternoon Show. Scott Grodsky and Sam Schmitz. Now we have the 
honor and the privilege of being joined by one of the titans of Milwaukee sports broadcasting, journalism, really just Milwaukee in general, Kevin Holden, CBS 58 sports director, joining us on election day, a day that I, I know firsthand uh, you and I have a, a ton to, to do. We're really big focal points today. You <laughs> let me let me tell you how how uh, popular we are in the sentence that you were introducing me there. Uh, I had two people uh, asking me a question uh, at the exact time that you introduced me. So I hope you didn't say anything bad about me because uh, I didn't hear it. Um, <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. All right, well, I, I will I will add now to it. It is not only Titan of Milwaukee sports uh, broadcasting, but also political analyst, sports director, and Brewers play-by-play for Telemundo, Wisconsin. Kevin Holden joining us. <laughs> Kevin, how you doing? Scott, I'm doing great, man. Uh, you know, it's it, the honestly, the sports talk model is the model for everything at this point, isn't it? I mean, that's what what uh, what you're doing in that room has become what all of us do uh, in, in in all walks of life, really. It's uh, it, but it's fantastic. You guys still do it better than anybody else in that room, and uh, I am happy to be sitting at our uh, director of photography's desk. Uh, chatting with you in the all 58 conversation right here. I just feel like you're sitting next to me right now. Yeah, no, it's uh, it, we're making up for lost time over those two years that we weren't uh, able to be in the building uh, together. But uh, let, let's let's dive into some Brewers baseball right now. I think that's uh, sort of the hot-button topic across Wisconsin sports as they're getting ready for a pretty big week, not only the two games against the Rays, but the Cardinals and the Dodgers coming up. We were talking yesterday about levels of concern. Sam and I were both at like a, a five, maybe a six, where are you at after everything that's happened over the last week, starting with the trade and ending with, you know, losing five of six to the Reds and Pirates? You know, usually I'm the guy that, that's that's talking people down off the concern ledge. Usually I'm, I, I lean a little more optimistic, but I'm not going to be that way this time. Uh, I think your five or six is about right. Uh, and it's look, it, it, there's a, a part of it. It has to do with losing a great uh, chip, a great piece in Josh Hader. Despite what you get back, you lose something that you know you have. You lose a fit in the clubhouse. You lose someone that, you know, you know what they can give you uh, in key games down the stretch. And, and Taylor Rogers could very possibly be that same person or at least close to that same person. Or not. You don't know. He's come in from a different time zone, a different clubhouse, a different background. And that's going to be one concern right there. Another is Devin Williams has been very effective in the eighth. It could and probably should translate to the ninth, but that's also not a guarantee, which means the Brewers could end up with a little scramble in the back end. Maybe Rodgers has to close games or, you know, however that works out, uh, there could be some issues on that front. There is uh, the, the other thing that was just concerning to me, and, and Sam, you know, can tell you about it, because I sat in the chair that you're sitting in now. I was there last week and last Tuesday. They were in Pittsburgh getting ready to face the Pirates, and, and Sam is just playing player after player after player. And just the tone, the body language, everything that was there was, was very deflated. Not that that will last 162 games, but if the Cardinals are going to be this team and give the Brewers this run, then two bad weeks could be the difference between the title and second place. So I, I don't think it's over by any means. You know, I know they use the term done club. It's not that, but uh, I, yeah, I've, it's a bit of a concern to me. I, I think they needed to win some games and win them fairly soon and gain some momentum so that those home games that they have 20 of their last 26 will actually mean something. 
Sorry, I got distracted by realizing that you were first pick in the uh, draft mockery, uh, and I'm not super thrilled about the, uh, the category <laughs> I picked for us anymore. That was a mistake on my part. Anyway, um, back to <laughs> back to Brewers, though. Is that something that's as simple as win a couple of games and that's done? Because I, I know exactly what you're talking about with the players. Devin Williams obviously is the one that jumps out the most. That was, I, it, it was it was depressing looking at his body language. Does that go away if they win two games against the Rays? Does it go away if they win two of three against the Cardinals? That's it would it would go a ways toward doing it. I don't know if it wipes it clean, but it would at least answer the question to these guys about being able to stay competitive. Because in in all of the different perspectives that you have on the hater trade. If you're in the front office, you're thinking about the future. You're thinking about getting some sort of return for a guy you know you can't sign. If you're in the fan base, you're ready to torch things. But if you're a player, your job is to win in 2022. You you are trying to make the playoffs and win when you get there. And to have a key piece taken away is tough because it does lead to that uncertainty. So I, I think wins do help. I think if they win four or five this week, then you can start to you know throw the, a, a couple of layers over this. It's not that it heals everything, but it's that the players can live in the moment. You know they're competing, and if they're back in first place, you know after beating the Cardinals a couple of games, they can they can start to turn that thing around because that's the the thing is it it was amazing how small the edge was in that division. It's amazing how little margin they had. They and how quickly they, you know, they it went throw away. A bad pitch to Brian Reynolds. Uh, on a Wednesday, and then uh, Matt Bush throws a wild pitch on a Thursday, and by the weekend they're in second place. Like, mm-hmm. that's incredible. So, yeah, I think a few wins would help. I think it goes maybe halfway toward getting them there. As you start looking towards this final two months, and hopefully for the Brewers a playoff run as well, I think there are a decent amount of pieces we know what to expect. We know what to expect from the starting pitching. We know what to expect from Hunter Renfro at this point. I think at this point you can say it's safe to say you know what to expect from Christian Yelich out of the leadoff role. What's your X factor? Who is your X factor for this team? I know who mine is, but what what's the player that you think could make an impact that we're not necessarily ready for right now? Yeah, I guess that with that qualifier, it takes for me it takes Hunter Renfro out because I feel like there's an expectation that Hunter Renfro hits for power, and and so if we're going sort of past that that level of things. Then you got to find somebody else who can who can get to that spot. Wow, that's a that is an interesting question. I would say the person that they that the Brewers probably need to turn it around the most uh, would be Willie Adamas. If he could get back to to his form of last year, that would mm-hmm. obviously give them another bat in the middle of the order. That'd be fantastic. I'm with you. Yelich is not the guy that uh, that he was before. Nor do I think he'll pop into 2018 form in the near future. Um, Yeah. Adamas is probably that guy. Colton Wong maybe could be that guy, somebody up the middle, because there's not a lot of other, you know, spots around. I mean, McCutcheon's already been depended on quite a bit by this team. And Rowdy Tellez is a centerpiece. So it's, it's weird. It's an offense that has struggled at times this year, but doesn't have a lot of obvious fixes either. Like if you could just turn back the clock on Yelich, that's an obvious fix, but I don't know beyond that. That's that's the thing is that especially with no trades for a bat, uh, they're just kind of where they were looking for a good run offensively, and it has been better since the All Star break. But much. yeah, I don't I don't know how much better they can be. Yeah, see, it's it's funny to me. I I think the X factor I'm looking at still is Keston Hira, and we'll see how long he stays up here because uh, part of him being an X factor involves 
him getting a chance to be, but obviously we saw what he can do the past couple of days, and we saw what he could do in 2020. And I, I think that's one who you get production out of that from the nothing that it was when he was in the minors. I, I think that can reshift the way you look at the the lineup a little bit if you can get some consistent hitting out of him. But if, of course, is the uh, the big question. You got a little time for some Packers, too? Man, let's do it. It's uh, not only Telemundo, Wisconsin for uh, – for Brewers games on Sundays, but also Packers preseason. Uh, have you done the uh, the deep dive yet? Yeah, started the deep dive, and 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 it always gets looks. So so what Scott's talking about is the the preparation for uh, for the Packers preseason, even more so now than it was a couple of years ago, is learning all of this information about guys that you're going to know information about for three weeks and probably not again, because a lot of those guys either don't make the roster or end up not playing a significant role. I mean, if a, if a player is a star player, they're probably not playing now in the preseason and the, the way it's done these days. So I end up doing all kinds of research about that. The joke is miles white and Joel Buono and those guys. So yeah, I, hey, mean, I covered Buono in college. There's nothing wrong with Joel Buono. There you go. There you go. So that, that was somebody you and I could uh, we could converse about. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm sort of hoping that that we see a lot of Romeo Dubs just because there's been enough buzz around him that I can actually do something with him. But there's that bottom half of that Packers roster as it stands right now. I am going to need to cram some information in between now and Friday in San Francisco. It's going to be crazy. Yeah, it, it can be a thankless job. I'm not sure everyone realizes, you know, everyone's excited to see what Romeo Dobbs looks like and even Samoria Toure, and you're looking to see what Jordan Love is going to do when he finally gets to have a healthy preseason. But you're you're still in there when there's five minutes to go in the fourth quarter and you're looking at a fourth-string lineup. But uh, what, what are you looking forward to on, on Friday's game? Is it really just, I mean, it, it seems like to everyone – Jordan Love is going to be the one under the microscope. Yeah, I think that's your that's your answer there. And it's unfortunately because there aren't a lot of starters playing kind of around the league in the preseason, it's not the best barometer of, of what Jordan Love can do. But you know how it is. It's the same way it is in practice. If, if Love connects on a couple of really pretty looking throws, if he takes care of business on a drive or two, then you know, then you have something to work with. You have something to buzz about, and and that really is the most important thing. If you can get Jordan Love to uh, in against the whatever 49ers defense is on the field, if you can get him to look impressive for a couple of drives, you have video. You and I can show it. Then you know, in the week after, leading up to the second preseason game. So that's that's probably number one. And you know, number two is just just seeing the guys again. Family night. Uh, now that family night's become a practice. It really it doesn't move the needle for me the way it used to. That first preseason game is that first time that, that at least you're going through the motions of it. It may not be the same guys, but at least it's the same game. And uh, and that you know through the through the lens that looks pretty good to me at this point. I know Aaron Rodgers said today. Obviously, he's not going to be playing in Week One of the preseason, but I know he said today that he thinks it's kind of a waste to play just one series in the preseason if he's going to play. He wants to go for a couple of series, maybe a quarter. Do you think that we see him at all in the preseason? And do you think that we should see him at all in the preseason? Because it, I, I get it on both sides. You don't want the guy to get hurt. And last year, obviously, it was a great team that still won the NFC and was in shape to make a real run. On the flip side of things, one of their bad games, their worst game, was week one when they looked like a team that didn't play anyone in the preseason and looked like they were in their preseason. Yeah, and, and for that reason, I, I feel like 
when you talk about the should, I kind of feel like you should uh, for a couple of reasons. They, the slow starts maybe get a little bit better if you're in some sort of action in the preseason. Again, not against the first-team defense probably, but it's something in a game situation. And the other part is I think for the first time that I can remember with Rodgers, there's so much unsettled at the receiver position it would be kind of nice to see him go through something that's different. I know that going against the Packers' defense in practice has been good for him because the Packers' defense is an elite-level defense. They're great, but uh, it would be nice to do that against someone else who you don't see every day, who you don't know their tendencies. And that, that I think, is where the, the biggest uh, difference comes in. Those joint practices against the Saints can be part of the situation, but I think the idea of – doing this in a game situation, fans in the stands against somebody else would be meaningful. I, now that's the should I answer that to the uh, will he part. No, I don't think Rogers will take a single preseason snap. And uh, to the point where I'm not going to do any, any of my research about Rogers. I feel like I know him pretty well. Yeah. I think he should be good. Uh, if he surprises you and comes in, I, I tend to agree. I don't, I don't think he's going to play in the preseason. I would like to see him play two series, three series, uh, depending on, you know, how those series go, but uh, you got time for a little draft mockery? Draft mockery. All right, let's uh, let, let, let's right send it over to the uh, most important part of this show, and really any show in the continental United States. That's Bart singing about draft mockery. Come on now and try to understand the way this yeah. popcorn feels in my hand. Take yeah. a scoop and put it in your mouth. And he eats yeah. some now. Yes, he yeah. eats some now. Yes, he eats yeah. some now. Ow, 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 ow. Gourmet nights. Popcorn. I mean nights. Gourmet popcorn. They've got caramel corn and sweet cherry corn. And double cheddar cheese. Double cheddar cheese. Yeah. Yeah. You have some nights, gourmet popcorn. Try that nights, gourmet popcorn, cherry sweet corn, or Milwaukee mix. You gotta have nights, gourmet popcorn. Yeah. 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 Do you guys have the Colton Wong one? Or the, the hero one? I'm sorry, the, the Homer from uh, Sunday? No. I, I, I will, work out. Is that on your Twitter? No, I, I got to go find it. I don't know if it's posted anywhere, but basically the, the word tie game became a 12-second thing on that broadcast. <laughs> All right. Well, if you can find us, if you can find it for us, Kevin, or uh, find a way to send it to us, we will definitely use it. <laughs> it was. It's the reason I'm still hoarse on Tuesday. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Scott Kratzky, what time is it? Uh, it is draft mockery time, and it is brought to you by Night's Gourmet Popcorn, providing you with the freshest gourmet popcorn in Milwaukee since 1952. Mention 1250 AM The Fan for 20% off. With a recap of yesterday's incredibly disappointing results, here's yeah. Sam Schmitz. All right. Yesterday, in order to honor the man Leroy Butler, we drafted other Wisconsin Hall of Famers. Couldn't draft the man himself due to recency bias. Tim Allen ended up winning the draft with 39% of the vote. I finished in second with 36%. Scott Grotsky, you finished in third with 25%. The standings now are in draft mockery. I'm in first place with 11.5 wins. Toby Altizer in second place with six. 
Overlapping, Kevin Holden is Tim Allen, who moves into third place now with four victories. And Kevin Holden only trailing by half a game because him and I know Tim Shea and what he wants in a woman better than himself. Therefore, we have a half game each. Uh, Tim Shea, as we mentioned, is behind Kevin Holden with three victories. Bart Winkler, Stephanie Sutton, uh, both with two. And then Evan Heffelfinger, Adam Roberts, and Scott Grodsky, you all have one each. The draft order for today. Kevin, you will have the first pick. Scott, you will go second. I will go third. And um, today's draft was apparently inspired by Kevin Holden, who I didn't know until Scott told me is a big fan of The Office. So Scott Grodsky decided to... You know, suggest why don't we draft characters from the office so that's what we'll be able to doing today i feel like i'm at a little bit of a disadvantage i've seen many episodes of the office haven't seen every episode and can't quote every scene like everybody but as sometimes you have to do in draft mockery i will suck it up and i will do my best i'm going to do what's best for my team as they say in uh, draft day as we get ready for thursday's draft mockery right <laughs> yeah thursday kevin will be doing uh coach cliches with bart winkler and we will once again be reading it uh, all the teams in one sentence as if it is a full answer. Oh, I love that. That that worked so well with the GM stuff. That was one of the funniest things I'd ever heard. It was almost scary how well it worked. But yeah, we'll be doing we'll be doing coach cliches on Thursday. All right, Kevin Holden, you have the first pick in today's draft mockery of office characters. What will you be taking? So I, it's, it's funny because with the number one pick, you don't get a chance to show your uh, depth of knowledge of The Office because The Office is one guy, and he is Beyonce always. Uh, so <laughs> there, there is no question that Michael Scott is number one on the list. And if anyone doubts that, get out of my off five. <laughs> All right. Fair yeah, and I, and I think it's a pretty clear one-two, which is yeah. not great for Sam, who both doesn't know the office and doesn't have the second pick. But uh, you know, I, I want to say like Bears beats Michael Scott, but it's you know not actually Dwight saying it. So I don't know. I'll take Dwight anyway. Fair enough. Well, I have a question for you. What is the best type of bear? And I'll be going with the man who asked the question, <laughs> which apparently caused Dwight to say identity theft is a joke. I'll be going. Identity with- theft is not a joke, Jim. There you go. Jim Halpert for my third pick. Give me that smirking you-know-who who who ended up turning out to be a superhero, and now he's like in a bunch of other movies. Yeah, I'm sorry, by the way, for for whatever it's worth to anyone, and and we might might actually get calls on The Office because, you know, it's The Office, 414-677-1250. Jim Halpert is not a good guy, and I would not not have taken Jim Halpert at the 12th pick in this thing. Fair enough. All right, uh, Kevin Holden, back to you for your second pick in Office Characters. So I, so I have to depend. This is one of those uh, pick with your audience in mind. I have to depend on the audience to understand the intricacies of the office because to me there is a, an overwhelming pick here for those who are hardcore fans of the office. I'm going to go with it. Please and I don't. might end up getting – I might lose the draft right here. But Creed Bratton is <laughs> Creed. I love Creed. I don't know much of The Office, but I do love Creed. Yeah, Creed. Creed was gonna go fifth, and I, I that that's it wasn't losing Michael Scott that bothered me that you had the one pick. It was knowing that I wasn't gonna get Creed at five. That that really yep. that was Scott's had a tough time. Thankfully, yeah, he gets the first pick tomorrow. Was, but Tim was taking all of his picks yesterday. Tim and, took my third and my fourth round picks yesterday. Yeah. And, and now you're doing was, the I same. Mean, Creed, Creed is my favorite character in The Office. Yeah. Dwight is the right pick at two, but Creed is the best character in the show. <laughs> oh right. man. Um... Mm. I'll go Stanley. Stanley, shove it up your you know what. All right. 
Um, I feel like I might surprise you guys here with my second pick. Um, this might surprise you seeing how I don't know every episode of The Office, but I do love me some Will Ferrell. So with my second pick, give oh, me sure. D'Angelo Vickers for my wow. second pick. Yeah, how about that? That's one of the that? best scenes in the, in the entire run is when he is broken out of the hospital after he's hurt himself and he's babbling incoherently and they're dragging him away. <laughs> and John Krasinski is laughing so hard he can't stop in this very serious scene. They have him so cracked up that he, he has his head down and you can still see that he's laughing. It's amazing. I need Kevin, I need like a, like a play-by-play of you watching every Office episode because I feel like you do a great job of commentary. I think Scott does better, actually. Oh, really? All right. Dual, dual action. You know, you can be the play-by-play, and Scott can be the color analyst. How about that? That works. But, Kevin, it, so, is, it is back to you for your third pick for office characters. Yeah, and, and, and it's, um, you know, it, sometimes I think you, you pick characters you have a lot in common with. And, uh, <laughs> and, and I don't know if there's anyone in this show that I have more in common with than someone that shares my name and my propensity yep. to eat. Kevin Malone. <laughs> you have chili with you, too, while you're at it? Oh, this, oh, it, it, this draft is going exactly how I was fearing it was going to go. This is yeah. uh, Kevin is going to win this by a mile, probably. But Scott, it mm. is your third pick. I just, I just saw yourself. something on one of the best characters. I'm, I'm trying to do my research now in the middle of our draft. How one of the best characters is Prison Mike. I don't think I can do that. I would love to take Prison Mike as an option. <laughs> uh, I, I think that is a, a wonderful, wonderful choice. But I don't, I don't think that, uh, I don't think that's in the spirit of the game. Uh, you know, give me Moe's. Give me Moe's Shroot. Oh. I'll stay, I'll stay with the family. All right. Fair enough. I'm going to be honest. Um, I am diving deep into stuff that I, I'm starting to get to the I don't know territory. Um, so with my third pick, may not be the right third pick, but I'm going to go with uh, Craig Robinson's character. kind of forget what it's called. Daryl. Daryl. All right. Yeah. I'm going to go with Daryl for my third pick. Kevin, back to you. Last pick. Wow. Okay. So let's, uh, and I, I got to go in, a, in one of a bunch of different directions. I, you know, I like Oscar. I'm going with Oscar. I know he's a little too much of a know-it-all, but, but, uh, I'm going that way. Fair enough. Yeah. I, I like Oscar. Don't love Oscar. I think Meredith is an underrated character. I don't think I can go with her, but like Meredith, uh, Jan is always an option along with Hunter. Uh, gotta love Hunter, um, but I, I think I'm gonna go, and I'm only doing this if we can type out the whole thing. Uh, I would like Bob Vance Vance Refrigeration. Oh man, that might, this might be a little tough because I got into limited characters yesterday just for doing uh, Wisconsin Hall of Famers. Yeah, all right, well, whatever. I'll take Bob Vance Vance Refrigeration. In spirit, it is Bob Vance Vance Refrigeration, not just Bob Vance. Gotcha. <laughs> you guys are speaking Spanish right now. I have no idea what's going on at this point, but. <laughs> If I started singing Hunter's song, took me by the hand, I won't do it. Won't oh, the song is so bad. <laughs> All right. Um, with the last pick in today's Night's Gourmet Popcorn Draft Mockery of Office Characters, I will go with. So I have um, I have Jim on my team. Should I go Pam, too, and get the power couple? Or do, do, oh, I, go, do I go Idris Ilba's character? Idris Ilba's character? <laughs> Was that Charles, right? Yeah. Charles, Charles. Charles Minor. 
I, I can say uh, Kevin's going to win anyway. If, yeah. you, if you win, I will just assume that that at this point the twelve fifty the fan uh, okay. draft mockeries are are rigged. I'm going to go with Pam. I'll go with Pam for yeah. my last pick. All right, quick recap of the teams: Kevin Holden, you had Michael Scott, Creed, Kevin, and Oscar for office characters. Scott, you have Dwight Schrute, Stanley, Moses Schrute, Moses, Bo- not Moses. Oh, okay. See. I'm- <laughs> A little foreign to the subject right here. Yeah. And then uh, Bob well, Vans, am I getting that right? Bob Vance, Vance Refrigeration. All right, fair enough. My team consists of Jim Halpert, D'Angelo Vickers, Daryl, and Pam. Yeah, Kevin's. Congratulations, yeah, Kevin. Kevin. That's, 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 a, that's a big Congratulations. <laughs> I don't even think we need to put this up on Twitter. Yeah, I might vote for Kevin. <laughs> I might too, honestly. Sometimes you have such a good draft mockery team that you have to vote for the other person. Although, actually, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to have uh, – What didn't Tim get like 2% of the vote once? I don't want that. Right. Well, so. I mean, on top of that, too, when we drafted traits in a woman for Tim Shea to date, one vote could have swayed the entire draft. But uh, Kevin and I ended up tying. But fair yeah. enough. Kevin, appreciate the time as always. Thank you for doing this uh, dumb, stupid, weird segment with us. And we will talk to you, I'm sure, later on in the future. Guys, thanks a lot. Really appreciate it. That's a lot of fun. And now I'm going to be quoting The Office for the rest of the day here at the day job. Yeah, so, I figured uh, that so. one. I figured the draft mockery well, would go over well with you. Apologies to your coworkers, all right? Oh, yeah. No, I, I'm not superstitious, but I am a little stitious. I'm going to say that so much they'll kick me out tonight. Jeez. Okay. Kevin, have a good afternoon, man. Thanks, guys. That was Kevin Holden joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. If applying for a home renovation loan, has you feeling anxious, breathe. And like Great Midwest Bank, help you experience a state of banquility. Get started at greatmidwestbank.com today. Also, thank you to Knight's Gourmet Popcorn for drafting that weird, wacky segment. Providing you with the freshest gourmet popcorn in Milwaukee since 1952. Make sure to mention 1250 AM The Fan for 20% off when you go there. Scott Grotsky. Yeah, disappointing. I I, yeah. I I knew Creed was going to go four, and that's I, I don't know. I I couldn't not take Dwight second, even though I really uh, Creed is the best character in the office. He is he is one of the best characters in any TV show. But congratulations to Kevin on his win. Thank you again, Kevin, for joining us. Uh, we'll step aside for a quick minute here at the top of the hour, and then we will be back with Pick a Lane coming up next on uh, the Fan Afternoon Show on twelve fifty AM, the Fan. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for twenty-five dollars per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. Five dollars more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at twenty-four monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. Thirty-five dollars per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. 
Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.